0: Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I am back with Raphael Barlow of the Big Board Podcast. Proud to say, one of my locked on compatriots. Also, the founder of the NBA Draft Junkies YouTube channel. And we had so much discussion in the first part of this episode today that it had to turn into two parts. Because in this episode, we're going to be talking about Jaden Ivey, about his meteoric rise this year, and just how confident uh, Raphael is in him as a potential top pick. We're going to talk about Keegan Murray and Tari Eason, two really intriguing options for if the Knicks decide to move on from Julius Randle and need some more depth at the power forward. And we'll also talk about uh, a prospect that I won't spoil. It's someone you've probably never heard of that Raphael floats as a potential, you know, replacement for Mitch should the Knicks decide to move on from him. So that's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. He without a five, Ewing for the win. yes! Hubs left, and now fires it, and he's good, and he's fouled! And he's fouled. and he's fouled! Anthony for three! all right welcome in to locked on nicks i want to just thank you guys for making locked on Nix your first listen every day whether it's on youtube or whether you're uh, listening to us on your favorite podcast platform we really appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf, I'm editor-in-chief in Excite the Strickland, which you can find at the strict.land. And I'm rejoined. I say rejoined because it's the second part of this episode by Rafael Barlow, who, again, host of the Big Board podcast, uh, also the Big Board newsletter, writes that, and also still runs his uh, NBA Draft Junkies YouTube channel. Some of the best draft, draft content out there comes from Rafael Barlow. And uh, we are continuing our discussion. If you didn't check it out already, check out part one where we talked about the NCAA tournament at large, uh, how it affects guys' stock going into the draft. We talked about the players from Duke uh, and you know how their performances could potentially affect their draft stock in the final four here. Also, uh, he, he did, does this once in each episode, but Raphael dropped a, a really interesting prospect in the first episode that I had never heard of that I now suddenly want to be a Nick after doing a little bit of research afterwards. So definitely check that out as well. But uh, without further ado, I'll throw us right into part two here with Raphael, uh, getting into the the final guys of this episode. To shift topics here, you know, you mentioned it, when we were just talking about about Paolo that there's always sort of this, uh, like, mentality of of people of wanting, you know, the, the shiny new toy sort of, you know, like the, the new flavor of the month or flavor of the week or flavor of the season Mm -hmm. or what have you. And I think that, I mean, I'm not saying that it's unfounded, but I think that certainly the guy that nobody really saw coming as, as good as he's been, has been Jaden Ivy. Um, You know, as far as inserting himself into that potential, you know, top four combo. I think I saw that you had just written an article or done a video recently where you explored the possibility of like, this is why he could even potentially be the number one pick if someone sees this in him. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about Ivy? Like, how do you place him in that top tier? Do you sort of have him almost on equal footing with the like Chet Jabari Palo tier of like, if you see, you know, a, a, a top pick in him, then you see it. And I could totally see that. Or do you sort of have him in like a, like a weird middle ground of like a half tier sort of like just below those top three, but still above like five and beyond or like just where are you at with him? Cause I think that he's, I don't think he's polarizing. I feel like everybody loves him, but I feel like there's sort of this fear to sort of put him into that top category with those other three guys based off of the fact that they've been there the whole year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like to think outside the box and kind of go against the consensus. I do have him in that, that same tier and You know, most people had a top three, then four, which is Ivy. Like, it's almost like every mock has him slotted at four, and then it goes five, you know, all the way down. But I think what makes him in that tier for me is he just has like that elite athleticism and burst, competitive fire. And uh, I don't want to say he's Ja Morant because I mean, I think Ja was a better playmaker. I shouldn't say, I think I know Jai is a better playmaker and passer as far as just natural passing instincts. But Ivy has that same type of game where he can just impact games with his athleticism and his ability to put pressure on the rim and get downhill. And then one of the things that, well, he was trending in, in, in the right direction as a freshman. And one of the knocks on him was, all right, he has to improve his shooting. He only shot like 20 something percent from three. He came back this year and improved as a shooter. And the thing about him that makes me put him in that tier is I think he'll look much, much better with NBA spacing. You can kind of defend him a little bit in college basketball with a zone. And then he played with two traditional bigs that were on the floor literally all the time that didn't space the floor. But, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, imagine the pressure he puts on the rim if he had like a floor spacing for or you know just with NBA spacing so I think that that dynamic athleticism and pressure to put the rim can uh, you know if it's I still think it's a perimeter oriented league even though like our MVP candidates (laughs) are bigs and probably the top three picks are bigs I still think that it is a perimeter oriented league so that's why I still have him in that same in that same tier
0: so the to move to a couple guys that are more in the Knicks range again. Um, I have, I definitely have a type I've I've learned this over the last few years of, of, you know, uh, Knicks drafting and everything. You know, I love guys that, you know, maybe if they're not ideally sized, but these guys that just put up the crazy impact numbers, huge stock numbers, you know, the guys that are just like everywhere on the court. And so, I've really taken a liking to both Keegan Murray and Tari Eason in this draft. And I know that you had mentioned, like when I asked you a couple minutes ago about like what you would do if you were the Knicks, like even if you get rid of Julius Randle, which I think that, you know, the, the scuttlebutt now, again, sort of like it was around the trade deadline is that it seems like Randall wants out. Uh, it seems like, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be jetted this off season. You do still have OB in place there, but I think there is, I think if they do get rid of Randall, that's going to free up a, Big amount of minutes that you might not necessarily want to, especially Tibbs, who seems to hate Obi Toppin for whatever reason, Mm. won't want to throw Obi in for you know those same amount of minutes that Randall's been getting, Um, and you might want another another four type player in there. Uh, What what do you think though about Keegan Murray and about Tari Eason about you know potential fit with with the Knicks or something like that? And how do you see them? Like I see them as somewhat similar players. You know, I, I that's probably putting them too much in a box, but. You know, what, what's kind of your opinion on those two guys and, and how you've evaluated them so far?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, both of them were guys that were on nobody's list as potential lottery picks coming into the season. Murray was, like, Iowa's third or fourth option last year behind Garza and, and, and the kid that the Spurs drafted, and Eason was playing for Cincinnati. So, I mean, they both had, like, crazy – rises up on like this whole draft board of this draft space. I think Murray is probably the more complete offensive player. I mean, he had a dominant season on the offensive end. Like mm-hmm. when the season first started, I was like, okay, yeah, he's killing Longwood. He's killing, you know, some directional school. But then he put up the same numbers in the Big Ten. I think he ended up shooting like 40% from three. And his game is, I mean, weird is probably not the best word to use. It's not like the sexiest. He doesn't have like this body where you're just like, you know, I mean, like, oh, my gosh, he jumps out the gym. He's freaky athletic or, you know, he's got the shake and bake to his game where he's I mean, he just puts the ball in the basket. And what's really weird is that the majority of his points this year came in transition Mm -hmm. and he just doesn't look like your typical transition finisher and his game is – I think his game is going to end up being like an acquired taste because even though he can post up, he doesn't have like the quickest first step to like blow by guys off the dribble, but then it just kind of turns into like a post up. Uh, I think it would be a weird fit with the Knicks <laughs> with with the topping, but Murray was a pretty good rim protector. Like he, he did a, a good job of blocking shots. So I don't know how creative Tibbs would be to, to play him at the five. Um, if so, then – I mean, Tibbs has never been known as a creative offensive coach anyway, so um, that would be pretty interesting. And then I like Eason. I think he's like your Patrick Williams type, even though Patrick Williams hasn't like – he's not a star, but he's like your Patrick Williams type that you hope turns into like a Kawhi Leonard type, like this 3-4 mm-hmm. combo forward that can develop some shooting, that can put the ball on the floor – that is a plus defender. I mean, big shoes to fill with Kawhi, but I think like that – it's a copycat league, and so I think that is the range that he's in. And I like Eason because – and I think New Yorkers would kind of appreciate this – he has a little playground game. Mm -hmm. Like he has this game that doesn't look like it was developed with a trainer. It doesn't look like, you know, he was doing his moves with an empty gym with cones and chairs – he looks mm-hmm. like he has just these scoring instincts that only come from like playing pick ball on the playground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would love that sort of player. I mean, I, I definitely in the limited amount that I've watched of him, I'm like, I'm intrigued. <laughs> Very like,
1: intriguing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like he's just, he's sort of bizarre. Like he almost, he, he's sort of similar to what you said with Murray. He doesn't have that like, Crazy bounce either from what I've seen You know he sort of has it a, a little bit In spurts almost like what you said It's sneaky like yeah. you know it's
1: funny when I, when I wrote in my notes So I'm watching film and you know I'm kind of Taking notes as I, as I go And I'm just like you know Average athlete by NBA standards And then boom he like blows by A guy and like dunks on him So it's kind of like this sneaky I'm not comparing him to Paul Pierce But Paul Pierce was a sneaky athlete Mm-hmm. Like he didn't look like he was athletic, but if you like, I mean, of course he played like a hundred years, so he's going to have enough dunks then, but like I saw somebody post a video of like Paul Pierce's dunks and he has a nice collection of, of like poster dunks. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's like this, I guess I consider it, like Eason is an athletic guy, but he doesn't rely on his athleticism. He can make athletic plays but his whole game isn't just based off of being like a really good athlete. While I feel like in the case of like Obi, Obi's game is based off of being a vertical athlete even though I don't think he's a very good lateral athlete. The weirdest combination I've ever seen in my life of um, <laughs> just being able to jump up and touch the moon but sliding side to side it's like his hips seem like they need they're too tight they need to be oiled up a little bit
0: (laughs) all right I'll be right back in to finish up with Rafael Barlow you won't want to miss this he gives another prospect that you've probably never heard of that you're gonna look up and say man I really think the Knicks need to go after this guy particularly if they decide to move on from Mitchell Robinson this offseason. But I just got to remind you guys, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national championship this coming weekend. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. I, I've been looking at the odds, and let me tell you what, I don't feel comfortable betting on North Carolina Duke. That's just too volatile. It's like you don't bet on certain rivalries. I, I wouldn't bet on Yankees, Red Sox either, or something like that. you know. Uh, but Villanova, Kansas, Villanova is the underdog, and they're a plus-four underdog. I would bet that with confidence because it just feels like one of those years where Villanova is going to, at the very least, make the championship game. They're, they're due for one, it seems like, every few years at this point and i think now is the time so i would go villanova plus 4 against kansas this weekend on bet online if i was a betting man which sometimes i am <laughs> and it's not just basketball though bet online is your continued source for all your sporting sporting wagering information needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino games head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action online where the game starts. And today's show is also brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. Connect with a passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, and part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoeboxes, and binders. Their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all your favorite players and teams. Once you find the moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in a couple of clicks. Now, I hear all the time, why would I buy something that I could watch on YouTube for free? And I tell those people... It's not about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership in the stock market of the NBA's greatest moments. Now, if you sign up for Top Shot today, the best way to get started is by getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull moments of a superstar like LeBron or KD or maybe RJ Barrett or star rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley or Quentin Grimes or maybe Deuce McBride for just $9. So head over to lockedon.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today all right well so i'll close this on this note um so you've already given me someone to chew on here with with terquavion smith just threw that out there early in the show and and maybe nuked this question but i'm gonna ask it anyway do you have another name that you can think of that you're higher on than consensus that you think would be a good one for Knicks fans to look at because i feel like as a Knicks fan now after these last these first couple years of the Leon Rose and Walt Perrin scouting regime that every single year so far they've drafted someone that like I hadn't looked at basically at all yeah (laughs) with quickly and then with Grimes and they've worked out fantastic so do you have any other guys other than Smith that you think are a uh a potential, you know, sleeper type player that the Knicks might take a look at.
1: Yeah. And the thing about that, I feel like with the Knicks is that Leon Rose is is new and he has job security, so he doesn't have to go with the consensus. I feel like if you're and I, and I debated this on on Twitter, I don't think people fully got the question or if I didn't word it correctly. But I, I do think there are cases where if you're on like a contract, we only got like a couple years left. You may just go with the consensus because if it works out, great. If it fails, then it's like, well, you know, this is where he was slotted to go. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there's a few GMs that are like, I mean, they'll think way outside the box, like the Spurs taking Josh Primo at number 12, or, you know, everybody last year wanted the Raptors to select Jalen Suggs at number four because they thought he's a natural replacement for Kyle Lowry. He takes Scotty Barnes, who's in the running for rookie of the year. So with all that being said, I do have a sleeper and I've been high on this guy for years. The first time I saw him play was in 2019 at the under 18 tournament. And it was in Greece and he was only like 16 years old. And I wrote down like, all right, this kid is going to be the number one pick whenever he's eligible for the draft. He hasn't developed like I thought he would, but his name is Abu Baji. He is playing in Spain. He's from Senegal. one, like 40-inch vertical, 7'8 wingspan. So think of like, he's like one, probably like 240. And, I mean, he is a crazy athlete, crazy rim protector. I mean, you can throw the ball to the moon and and he'll go get it, but he's raw. Like, this is just all God-given, natural, raw talent. And I feel like, all right, if you believe in your development staff or if you've done your your background and you believe that he's not the type of person that's going to have a million dollars in his bank account and just love Manhattan (laughs) and just be out all the time, then I think it's worth the risk. Again, 7'1", 7'8", or 7'9", wingspan, 40-inch vertical, is like an amazing shot blocker. It may have some maturity issues, but he's still only like 19 years old. And at at this point, I mean, I, I just think like swing for the fences if it works out. I think the Knicks even swung for the fences with Mitchell Robinson, and you can say that he's definitely outplayed his draft position well, I think Baji could be an even better version of of Mitchell Robinson in a sense, but he could be the same. I mean, the knock on him is he's uh, he's just still raw. Mm-hmm. But that is my guy. So I feel like all right, if if you kind of you know if it worked out with Mitch in a sense, but you you don't know if you want to pay him or you think somebody's gonna throw him a huge bag, then 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 go for Baji.
0: Cool. Well, that's definitely another name to chew on. So thanks so much, Rafael, for coming on, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and staying up till late at night to talk about draft prospects with me. I'm sure you you go through this enough. You talk about these guys all the time. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time no coming problem. over here to talk with me. Uh, do you want to let everybody know real quick where to find you on Twitter and, and where to find your work and all that good stuff before we sign off?
1: Yeah. First, thanks for having me on. Like, I really appreciate it. Again, I like talking. Knicks draft. Even I wasn't expecting to talk about the Knicks draft in, in late March or early April. I just figured you guys were a playoff team. Neither so. were we. We weren't <laughs>
0: expecting it either, but here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah. So sorry about that. But uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me on. I mean, obviously it's it's like 2.51 a.m. now. So, I mean, this is something that I wanted to do. But you can reach me at Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E, 500 on Twitter And then I'm on nbabigboard.com. And then uh, NBA Draft Junkies is my my website. It's like my my baby still, even though I'm switching over to NBA Big Board. And New Yorkers will appreciate this. The way I'm going to handle it is is like, I'm like Benny the Butcher, right? And NBA Draft Junkies is my mixtape, while NBA Big Board is my album. So on my album, I got to make hits. I got to talk about Chet and Jabari, while NBA Draft Junkies is going to like, You know, I'll talk about the guys that you may have never heard of or uh, Mm -hmm. Abu Bhaji or Mm -hmm. some random 16 year old that I just watched in Greece that I think is going to be a top 10 pick whenever he's eligible. So I'll I'll have content on both.
0: Cool. Thanks so much, Raphael, for popping on, man. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate all the great insights. And thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be back with some more episodes to finish off the week. But till next time, peace out, everybody. Talk to you all soon.